0: welcome to 168 days of magic this is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes nurtures and excites you each episode we'll be looking at how mindfulness productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes, and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey, and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners, and life coaches to help us on our journey. So welcome back for episode four of the podcast on the mindfulness front today We're talking about understanding distractions and knowing your best time in the day to be creative My podcast chat is with naturopath and reflexologist Yeserian Faye She's giving us her top well-being tips for creatives and on the productivity front I'm talking about how i've defined my own goals and intentions for my creative project So let's get stuck in Alright, so for this part of the episode today, I wanted to talk about the mindfulness aspect of creativity. So understanding distractions and also knowing your hours of power. So when in the day are you most creative? Let's start with talking about distractions. So our world is full of distractions and I always find that... You can't completely get rid of distractions, you have to accept that they're going to be in your life, but sometimes we just need to think about it a little bit, and this is where mindfulness as a practice can really help us sift through the things that happen in our day, the things that we naturally drift to out of habit, and any habits that we might like to start thinking through and changing or adjusting or resetting ourselves to have new habits. There's a really great book out there on the market at the moment called Indistractable. I'll leave a link to it in the podcast episode notes. And that is a great book that can help you kind of just think about how distractions work and why we allow ourselves to get distracted and some tips and tools for how to manage distractions so they don't kind of overtake you. Um, if you can hear a little padding around in the background there, I've got a little bird on my studio roof at the moment, so I'm just going to keep talking, but you'll you'll notice that there's a little bit of tapping going on there. So there's a really nice uh, article that's been written a few years ago by a writer for Mindful magazine called Jeremy Hunter, and he talks about managing your attention, not your time. And this is the idea that you know there's always going to be stimuli competing for our attention, and We need to be conscious of how we spend our attention on specific tasks and how we can keep our focus flowing. Uh, There's a great quote by Peter F. Drucker, who is a management philosopher, and he says, If there's any one secret to effectiveness, it's concentration. And concentration is, I think, a really important thing for creative projects, particularly if you're going the long mile. So Jeremy Hunter gives three suggestions for how to manage your attention. And the first is making attention your priority, not time. So the idea here is that we always think about managing our time in the best way possible. But Jeremy Hunter points out, you can manage your time, but if you're not using that time well, how much are you really doing? Uh, And so that's, I think, a really nice point to think about. You know, we don't want just time in the day to be being creative, but we want good time. And for me, this comes back to knowing when you are most creative in the day. So for me, managing time and managing creative energy are very much sitting in the same boat. So my best time for creativity is in the morning. Uh, This is traditionally when I've always done my best work. I'm just one of those people I'm a morning person that's when I have all of my creative juices flowing and by contrast I've got nothing left by about three o'clock in the afternoon so I've always wanted to be a kind of a night person that kind of is up to all hours and painting at midnight and reading till 2am but that's never really been how my body clocks worked but I know that if I get up at four o'clock in the morning and paint or write between four and six a.m. I have two hours of pure beautiful creative time and that's worked for me because so I'm an intuitive artist and That is when I'm most connected to my dream state. So I haven't properly woken up into that logical mindset that we kind of drift into to operate in the world. So I'm just coming out of that deep sleep. I'm still a little bit in that dream state. I've got a good connection to my instincts, to my intuition, to the subconscious, and that's how I make good use of it. And I find that that starts to drift away after a few hours, and that's okay because I've got other stuff to do in the daytime, but that incredible morning energy is just my prime time. And that is good focused time for me. So not only am I making the best use of my creative energy, but I know that I don't have any distractions at that time of the day. There is no one else around. No one else is really up. It's just me and the work. And that is the double benefit of having focused attention and knowing the best time of the day for me to do my creative stuff. Another thing that Jeremy Hunter mentions in his article is just go through the process of naming your priorities. You can ask yourself a few questions to clarify this. And this is going back to that idea of we're all going to have distractions, but what can you manage? How can you say yes to some distractions, but say no to others? Another thing is ask yourself, how will you handle disruptions or interruptions when they arise? Do you hold an assumption that you must respond to any interruption? Or are you afraid of being disliked or of disapproval if you fail to respond immediately to an incoming email? So these are just a few questions that you can start to think through in terms of, well, if I'm going to put a few things aside so I can focus my energy, am I going to be okay with that? How can I prep myself? How can I prep other people? So this is a really nice way to use mindfulness to really reflect on your own life and how you want to use your focus for your creative work. So the last thing that Jeremy Hunter mentions in his article is the idea of conducting an attention audit to improve your focus. So this is a nice thing to do, and you can just choose one day and see where your attention goes throughout the day. How many different things have you got going on? How many times do you get distracted? What do you get distracted by? And what is a good distraction and what is a bad distraction? For me, I get distracted really easily after lunch. So and a thing that I might choose to do is actually go for a walk, get some fresh air, because I. I'm being distracted if I'm constantly allowing myself to be distracted it's probably because I've got a bit of mental fatigue going on so if I've got some mental fatigue what is something that I can do to short circuit that and address it and then come back to a space where I'm no longer so easily distracted and this is what the book Indistractable talks about a lot if you are being distracted there's potentially a reason so how can you look at the underlying reason So I hope that's helpful. So the points we've been talking about have been from an article from Mindful magazine by the author Jeremy Hunter and it's called Manage Your Attention, Not Your Time and again I'll add the link to that in the episode notes which you can find on my website. reminder that 168 Days of Magic is also a studio program that means that you can come and work with me in my studio here on the Kapiti Coast of New Zealand for six months as we go through the process of starting and finishing a piece of work and navigating everything that happens from beginning to end and you can book for that on my website jordanharcourthews.com I would love to see you here in the studio we have a great time and it's great to have real studio time to really just explore enjoy and be nourished by creativity with me today for my podcast chat is Yasserian Faye. Yasserian is a local Kapiti wellbeing practitioner. She offers reflexology, bark flower remedies, infant massage courses, baby reflexology courses, and is also a life coach. So welcome, Yasserian. It's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be a wellbeing practitioner living on New Zealand's Kapiti coast?
1: So we've been on the Kapiti coast for about 10 years now, and I've been practising as a naturopath, reflexologist and teaching at the Women's Centre in that time. But I guess my journey to get here and to be a well-being practitioner started probably a couple of decades ago uh, when I was teaching and I got really unwell and it was just, it was a low-decile school and I didn't have kids yet and I think I was just taking on a lot of what was happening to them and really feeling it rather than sort of moving through it as maybe some of the more experienced teachers had been. And I got really unwell uh, to the point I couldn't work. I had to take time off work. And it was to do with my digestive tract. And so I began really looking at what I was eating and how that was affecting my body. And, yeah, just tracking how my thoughts, my moods, actions, everything was yeah coming, just really noticing my body, I guess. But as I was going through that process, I remembered 10 years before that, someone that I worked with had mentioned about Louise Hayes' book, Heal Yourself. So I thought, right, okay, I've remembered this for a reason, obviously. Went down to the bookshop, got a copy and was reading through the start of it. And it said about, you know, looking at all your ailments and see what the emotional cause is. And I did that, went through the whole book. And then I was like, whoa, everything's the same cause. <laughs> and it was all related to fear and not letting things flow. And, and I was like, Uh maybe there's something in this so I didn't really take it on board at that time but I was mindful Uh, and I guess it wasn't until maybe when we were in Ireland and I was having my first child and a few of those issues kind of rose again that uh, I was like "Mm, maybe I need to just do a bit more work here and that's when I first tried homeopathy and rescue remedy and I'd never heard of them before never tried it homeopathy didn't work for me I had a really adverse reaction kind of probably put me off a bit too much rescue remedy on the other hand just had such an amazing effect so calming and yeah that that began my journey into investigating that started studying it and then when we moved back to New Zealand I was like okay I'm gonna start doing this instead of going back to teaching or anything like that I'm actually going to follow this because I can see uh, the benefits it's giving me, and when I talk to other people, the benefits it's giving them. Yeah, this
0: is- so, Sarian, how would you describe the work that you do and the approach that you take to health, healing, and wellness?
1: Yeah, I guess I, I really love helping people to help themselves. And the two core things that drive me is, one, I've seen and I really believe that emotions and thoughts dictate our health and our well-being, and the other thing is that we actually have the answers that we need inside us so my motto is helping busy people whose lives you know aren't quite what they want or their health's not what they want to find the answers for themselves to improve and become healthier and become happier and so a lot of my practice is while I do reflexology and the bark flowers and life coaching a lot of it is listening and questioning and getting people to kind of search for them themselves the reflexology is great because it just helps them get into a space of balance, I guess, just providing a bit of headspace. And I, I think I, that's what I see my role as uh, really with the business is just providing that space that people can actually start finding the answers themselves because it's more meaningful when it's your solution than you know, advice is great, but it's not always taken on board.
0: So I mean, Yeah. Now, this is a podcast that focuses on creativity, wellness and getting things done what are five easy things that creative people can do to enhance their own well-being while they're doing their creative work?
1: Yeah, so I have got five tips that are quite back to basics and I guess that is another aspect of my business. I really don't think you need to get hooked into lots of financial difficulties to improve your health. So yeah, I picked five that take no money and it's just up to you how you use them. And the first one would be to use your breath And I know it seems obvious, you know, we're breathing every day, we're going through. However, depending on our mood, depends on how we breathe. So when we get into that sympathetic nervous system way of being, that fight, flight, or freeze way of being, or I like to think S for sympathetic nervous system, S for stress, then we tend to do this shallow breathing up on our chest. Whereas when we're in a parasympathetic nervous system, P for parasympathetic nervous system, P for peace, you know, that rest and digest. We tend to have a deeper breath and more from our belly. So I'd really suggest, yeah, when you're feeling those highs and lows, try and think, oh, okay, actually, take a deeper breath. And sometimes just putting your hand on your belly can be a really good nudge or a cue so that you can feel it inflate, deflate, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm getting the full benefits. And the other thing with the breath, and there's been a bit of science behind this, is that even just sighing can actually reset your system. So yeah, well, you know, you have to find your time to be appropriate, but a good uh, can really reset the whole system, you know? Uh, So yes, using the breath would be my first, first one. The second tip I would say is to understand how the stress cycle works and that our thoughts are very quickly matched by our emotions, which is very quickly, you know, triggers chemical reactions in the body, which is then creates all these physical symptoms. And I think it really helped me, and I've seen it help clients, understanding that these highs and lows don't just come out of nowhere, and they're not even necessarily related to an incident that's happened, but it's our thoughts about the incident that's happened. And Hans Saye, who basically brought the word stress into our medical system rather than it just being a scientific term. He was famous for saying that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. Um, and you know, a bit more modern refer- um, reference that I just read the other day in a book was from Pirates of the Caribbean, and it was Captain Jack Sparrow saying, the problem isn't the problem, the problem is our attitude towards the problem. So it's that... Yeah, thought that starts triggering. And you can experience that now if you like. Is that if you close your eyes and you think of something negative that's happened to you, bear in mind your own well being, so don't go too serious, but something that's frustrated you and made you angry in the last week, and really bring it to mind quite vividly, like a movie. People, the sights, the sounds, the smells, make it really vivid bring it into full colour, and really run that movie through a couple of times about the whole incident, about your reaction, the other people's views. Really feel it, really vivid. And now I'd like you to think of something really positive that's happened in the last week or so, something that's made you feel light or happy or joyful. And the same thing, make it as vivid as possible in your head, all the sights and the sounds and the colours, people around you, what they were saying, what you were hearing. Run that movie through a couple of times. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. And, you know, you can feel, when you think about those negative feelings very quickly, the body starts tensing up, you can feel the reactions. And when you're thinking about nice sensations, you know, then it's a lighter feeling. And I think when we're going through these highs and lows of life, sometimes we forget the trail that was before because it's so quick. You know, our mind is so amazing and just going, oh, I know that thought. I know an emotion to match that. Yep, let's react. And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, understanding that that cycle can really help just go, oh, actually take the power out of, out of this. The third one that I have is to get out in nature as much as possible if you're exercising in it, that's all the better. But just nature itself, uh, science and all the scientific studies show us that being in nature helps to balance those moods, makes you healthier, feel better. It's an awesome tool for well-being. And we're really lucky on the Kapiti Coast. We've got the sea, the river, you know, even the hills, mountains. But if you haven't got that, even just getting out and putting your bare feet on some grass and really just connecting going, yep, I'm here. I'm just feeling it. And if you haven't got the grass, just feeling the wind and the sun, even a bit of, you know, that growing rain or the misty rain on your face can really help reset and make you feel a bit calmer and balanced, just connecting with nature. Uh, the next one I had, a fourth one, was to accept or acknowledge the highs and lows. Just take them and go with them. And I remember, you know, when I was little, my mum always was like, oh, you're an irritable, grumpy little girl, you know, and I was like, oh, Okay. And it wasn't until recently that I kind of thought, actually, no, that's not who I am. That's just something I'm experiencing that's kind of coming through. And I'm not like that all the time. Like, sure, some of the time. Um, And I think that's it. Quite often we get hooked up and thinking that our emotions are us. But they're not. They're just something that's happening to us. And it's usually quite a limited amount of time. Although when you're in it, it feels like forever. But there usually is an end, you know, or the light at the end of the tunnel that comes up that, yeah, we can move through. So I think in accepting it rather than getting bogged down in it and going, yeah, okay, I'm feeling upset, I'm feeling, you know, angry, I don't understand why they said that about my artwork or, you know, when I've put so much in it, I think, and then just accepting and going, okay, I'm feeling this, it'll end, you know, in another week it'll be gone another day. It may sometimes in another five minutes, <laughs> it's gone. So yeah, I think that, that's quite helpful. Um, and the last one I've got, which I had to add in, being a reflexologist, was um, rub your hands. <laughs> so reflexology works on the prince, two, two main principles, that your body is, um, well, energy flows through your body in a connected way, and that by touching one part of your body, you can affect another. So if you sort of put your hands together, where the thumbs are connected, your whole body is mapped out and the spine runs down between the thumbs and around the base of the palm. So if you think of your thumbs, it's like your big head, um, not your big head, your big, <laughs> big pad on there is your head. The neck of your thumb and your fingers are your neck. So by rubbing kind of just in a circular motion on the fingertips and uh, the pads of your thumb, You can really calm your head uh, a lot. And down the the fingers, you know, they might feel tense. And you can kind of give them a wiggle around, give them a rub. And it does help to relax. And it's great because you can do that anywhere, anytime. No one's going to see or think anything odd of it. And the other part is just the top of your palm, which is like the metacarpal heads. That relates to the chest area. So just kind of rubbing across there can be quite good because, you know, that's our emotional center and quite often it's like that tight feeling so yeah rubbing those main points and these other ones but those ones will really have a good beneficial
0: yeah well thank you yosiri and they're lovely tips really helpful for creative people but for anyone really in general just for us to be able to take good kind nourishing care of ourselves and what are you doing as well as these things to take good care of yourself
1: Yeah, I I am a bit of a creature of habit, I've got to say. And I find I feel a bit happier and healthier if I have a bit of a routine. So, yeah, I love every morning I go for a walk with my dog down the river, which I really need. I like that space just to myself because I homeschool my children. So it's a good break with no one (laughs) interrupting. The dog doesn't talk much. Uh, So, yeah, I walk in nature. I do use bark flowers on myself and EFT which is uh, like tapping Uh, reflexology I use the hand reflexology on myself and I do actually go for regular appointments because I just think it's such a great method and you don't have to get all undressed you can just sit in the chair get foot reflexology Um, I am a bit of a perpetual student though as well so I like to study and I always find that if I'm you know even if it's a new song on the guitar or uh, reading a new book on a new topic uh, you know, learning a language, like I'm enrolled in the course about the mind and how you can, you know, change your mindset to change your life. I just find I'm a lot more content if i am sort of got something to kind of drive. And, yeah, I always find I'm a better parent when I'm reading a parenting book, you know, a more enthusiastic reflexologist when I'm reading a reflexology book. So I find that it does kind of give me that high and that boost. Um, yeah, and I, I meditate as well regularly.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Yossarian today. If you're interested in finding out more about well wellbeing practice, feel free to check her out on her website, becominghealthy.co.nz. So I wanted to uh, frame up my own creative goals for this project in the hope that this may help you uh, define some of your own goals if you're looking to do a creative project as well. So again, just a reminder that your project can be anything that you want. It doesn't have to be massive. It can be much smaller than mine. It can be as modest or as ambitious as you want. Really, it's about setting an intention to do a piece of work and then seeing what happens because it's always an amazing journey. The thing about creativity is you can never exactly plan where you're going to end up and I think that's the journey and that's part of the richness of it and so being open to that. But anyway my creative goals are to create 16 illustrations that will be part of the second book that I'm working on and that I'm indie publishing. So I'm going to be I'm going to be talking about the process of taking uh, paintings and sketches and doodles that I do in the studio and bringing them into some kind of composition that really supports the story that I'm working on. So if I was to be more specific, I would say that I wanted to create a unique style of visuals for my book series. And I'm going to do this by integrating two different kinds of creative output so one is the paintings that I do through uh, working with acrylic on canvas and the other is just the doodles that I do uh, using things like Posca pens or pens uh, and that's what I just do on paper and I do this anywhere and everywhere so in cafes when I'm working uh, and sometimes they just you know they have no meaning when I do them but then when I look back and I reflect I can actually see little parts of the story that are coming out in different forms so how how do I bring all these different aspects of the story into some kind of illustration? So that's my goal. Uh, And then at the end, I'll have something that will really help bring the story to life or bring some aspects of the story to life. So that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Next week, we'll be talking about intuitive creativity. I'll be giving you some warm-up exercises for you to try. My podcast chat is with the amazing life coach, Amy Cook. And on the productivity front, we'll be talking about what are the characteristics of a project? How do you define a piece of work so you can, you know, have a really clear scope of what you're going to be doing over a period of time? All right, well, we'll see you then. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget that if you're enjoying the podcast, do leave a review. That'll help other people to find it and enjoy it as well. See you next time.